there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I want to talk about the G word. And the reason I want to talk about the G word, no, it's not Gurdjieff. You know, well, G said, and G wrote, and G did this, and G did that. I don't know how we ever got to do that in the work, but there it is. That's what people do. Anyway, I want to talk about the G word, but it's not the G word, meaning Gurdjieff. It's the other G word. The G word that if you use, people get all wonky in the work. Well, not all people, but a lot of people get wonky in the work. So I want to take you through it in a way that the work approaches it, because for some reason, when people get crazy about the G word in the work, they think that it's never mentioned, or they think it means something else, or they, they have reactions to it. So man has failed religion, and his failure has then been projected by man on to religion. And it's the same thing we do with everything else in our current condition. As a result, we become negative toward esoteric ideas that are presented by religions. Because religions have failed, according to our perspective, according to our view, because religions have failed, we then want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't want to take anything that comes at us from a religious standpoint. Now, because negative emotions poison us, all religious ideas must be reinterpreted so that they can make it past the intellectual center, which is really the formatory apparatus in us, to the emotional center. Now, the fourth way is a reinterpretation of esoteric Christianity, so as to deliver these conscious ideas to a resistant race of sleeping men machines. We are in such a low state that we are unable to take these ideas in directly to the emotional center. And so, because of our low state, we have to take it in through the intellectual center. The problem with us is we don't really have a properly cleaned, ordered, and functioning intellectual center. What we have instead is a formatory apparatus. Yes, no, right, wrong, good, bad, hot, cold, black, white, which is not the same thing as a properly ordered intellectual center. You hear this a lot in the fourth way. It's not for everyone because not everyone is negative in the same way concerning religion and specifically concerning the G word. This reinterpretation is transmitted through the teaching of the great ray of creation. Now it's used to illustrate the G word for those unable to tolerate the G word, unable to tolerate all that goes along with that. All of their old associations or all of their prejudices or all of their judgments about it have hindered them from being able to just take this as incoming impressions and transform them at the level of incoming impressions. Instead, the G word and all of everything about religion falls on the wrong place in them, and they're unable to get the meaning from these incredibly powerful, eternal ideas that come from something higher. They're unable to get the meaning out of them because of their old associations or their negative emotions concerning them. So 
Gurdjieff came along, or was sent along actually, by something higher, and we won't bother saying what, because there's a big swirl of, oh, this was a, he was a Sufi, he was this, he was that, he studied with this guy and that guy. I don't care. History is not my thing. What I'm interested in is what works now, how we work now, observing how it works, and being able to get the most meaning from every bit of esoteric teaching that we can pull together. That is important to me. I'm a pragmatist. I wish to develop. My development is based entirely on myself. It is self-development, so I need to do this. I can't depend on other people for this. I need to get the meaning out of this. I need to squeeze turnips and get blood if that's what it takes because I wish to develop. Until people have that kind of valuation, they're not going to be able to squeeze a turnip and get blood. In our whole thing, the great ray of creation, everything starts from the absolute, which people mistakenly call God, but is actually the unconditioned unknowable that's simply been labeled the absolute. And it's been labeled the absolute because the G word has such a charge on it that it polarizes people. It makes them either negative or positive. And if you know anything about this work and anything about the formatory apparatus, you know that negative and positive are the exact same thing. You're still stuck in polarization. Whether it's negative or positive means absolutely nothing. It just means that you're stuck in that polarization. So what the teaching of the Great Ray aims to do is to get us beyond that polarization, beyond that lower level of being stuck in that polarization, so that we can go to a place where we can draw more meaning, greater meaning, different meaning from these esoteric ideas that have been presented in many different ways over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that's just in our recorded history. We have no idea how many thousands of years before that. The earth is very old. So the absolute in the great ray of creation divides itself first into three forces. And then again, it divides itself into the law of seven. First one, then three, and then seven. The reason it's so difficult for us to wrap our finite minds around that is because even as seven, it's still one. So it's one, but it's also three, and it's also seven. And that does not compute for our finite minds. We operate at a level where we see seven is different from one, and one is different from three. And we can't see them all folded in together. The great ray says we're all part of something else. In an outer way, our sun is part of the external galaxy that we call the Milky Way. The external galaxy that we call the Milky Way is designated as the note La in the great ray of creation. Our sun gets the note Sol appropriately. Here's where it gets tricky for the mind. The sun is also in us moving us from physical meaning to spiritual meaning. And spiritual meaning, of course, doesn't work for people who are afraid of the G word or have a reaction to the G word. So what the work calls spiritual meaning is psychological meaning. And this is just to discharge this religious prejudice that people who come to the work have. I'm not saying that all people who come to the work have this religious prejudice. What I'm saying is that where religion failed... This work came into existence to take up the slack and to give people who would not have the opportunity to get these ideas another form through which they could get meaning from these 
ideas, from these eternal esoteric ideas. Remember, the main thing with all of this is that people develop. That is what we're interested in having happen. And that's what the work is about. It's about self-development or the conscious circle of humanity giving us what we need to develop and giving us what we need to escape our current condition. So let's move on. The Great Ray teaches a scale of intelligence. A person on the level of soul, for example, has a divine intelligence compared with our intelligence. So our intelligence is at the level of the earth, the level of 48 orders of laws, as a rule. Not everyone, of course, but as a rule. So this is pretty much our condition, sleeping machines. Now, you've heard about my dog, Buddy Love. Buddy Love, who's not the sharpest dog I've ever known, he's not really that bright, but he's sweet and he's very loving. But Buddy Love could view my level of intelligence as divine compared with his level of intelligence. Why? Because I can open the door when he scratches at it or he barks at it. Because I can open a can of food when he's hungry. Because I can cook. Because I can do all these things that must seem incredible. They must seem like miracles to a dog who can't do any of those things for himself. So this is the idea that the Great Ray is trying to get across to us, is this scale of intelligence that to one level of intelligence, another level of intelligence is divine. But that doesn't mean that it's the absolute. Certainly, my level of intelligence, though it is divine to buddy love, is not divine to the absolute. The absolute is, well, we'll talk about that later. It's probably not a good idea to talk about it now until we have a little more groundwork laid down. So this scale helps us to see these levels, which helps us to understand one another and gives us headroom to develop. See, everybody needs headroom. It's amazing how many people come into this work, they work for a little while, and then they feel like, okay, well, I've done it. Well, now I'm doing it. And they stop. Or I was talking to somebody this morning, and I said, but but you have to understand that you never understand. But I do understand. No, you don't understand. You only understand more than you did understand. But you understand less than there is to understand. But we take it as a finished signed contract. Okay, now I get it. Now I understand. This is not the way it is. And we must begin to see this. And scale, the great ray, helps us to see these levels, helps us to see that no matter how much we understand, we're still very, very far away from understanding the absolute, very far away from understanding all there is to understand. So for us to look at, say, Gandhi, for example, we may think, now that is divine. That man's intelligence is divine. And compared to us, it likely is a divine intelligence. But compared to the intelligence of a higher being, it's not divine at all. It's something lower. It's a lower intelligence. That's what the scale in the Great Ray is attempting to show us if we pay attention to it. It also gives us a different idea of the G word, an idea that's not easily understood in exoteric organizations. So you look at exoteric organizations, and what most exoteric organizations who are using the G word are going to be called are churches, temples, mosques, like that. The G word is not understood as a higher form of intelligence as much as some mystical, magical thing that we can't really get our minds around. And this is where the Great Ray gives us a way of looking at it and finding ourselves 
in comparison to other levels of being, other levels of intelligence. The intelligence of our galaxy is divine compared with the intelligence of our sun. This is another thing. If we look at the great ray of creation in an outer way, we can see that the sun is part of it, the galaxy is, the, our galaxy is part of it, and our galaxy is part of all galaxies. So it's like that. Now, the intelligence of our galaxy is divine compared with the intelligence of our sun, but the intelligence of our galaxy compared with the intelligence of all galaxies is not divine. It's at a lower level. So this is how we find ourselves, and this is how we start to develop this depth of scale and these levels of being so that we can enrich ourselves by getting new meaning and understanding more. Not understanding everything as it is, but understanding more. So the union, and this is an interesting concept, the union of stars, that, that is suns, of course, is closer to the intelligence of the absolute, which includes all, than is just our own star, which is our sun. So the union of all stars, all suns, obviously is a higher intelligence and must be closer to the absolute, which includes everything. Morris Nichols said, for us to imagine that we, as we are, could get directly in touch with the intelligence of the absolute would be foolish. Paul said, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness before the G word, which of course is the G word, and we won't even say it because I'm on a roll now. I'm not saying the G word. Okay, I did say it one time. The ray is not taken only externally, but internally as levels of understanding, intelligence, wisdom. We have the possibility of ascending the ray in ourselves to a point if we wish to develop. If you don't wish to develop, you don't have to pay any attention to this at all. As a matter of fact, you could still develop and never even hear of the great ray of creation because this is just one way of formulating these esoteric ideas and presenting them to people at our level, in our condition. Why the G word has fallen on hard times with humanity is because our understanding is foolishness to the absolute. We tend to have sentimentality in place of conscious love. We say the G word is all good, while the author of the universe may have an entirely different idea of what all good is. We talked about this before. That idea, the idea that the author of the universe may be so different that we could not grasp the goodness, having no proper understanding of the Creator's infinite creation. We can't find the ray in ourselves. That's all that means. We cannot find the ray of creation in ourselves. We have not been able to locate ourselves, to place ourselves in the great ray of creation inside of ourselves. Obviously because we have such a difficult time observing ourselves. We don't have a difficult time imagining that we're observing ourselves, but we do actually have a difficult time observing ourselves properly according to the, the teachings of esotericism. Not according to what we think in our imagination, but according to the teachings that have been handed down from above or from higher levels or from more conscious beings, as it were. So because we can't find the ray in ourselves, the G word for most of us means what we want. So who is it that's going to give you what you want if you're, quote, a religious person? Well, it's going to be the G word. So what it turns out to be is the G word for most of us means what we want. Now, 
in the Fat Podcast 244 Destruction, I talked about the absolute manifesting as three forces. You may have heard that. You may remember. Those three forces were the creative force, the preservative force, and the destructive force. And I used a lot of examples of that. To understand the latter, that is the destructive force, takes a certain level of intelligence. Most people, or many people, cannot understand it. They cannot understand how destruction can be good. It takes a broadening of understanding. It it takes more light so that people can see more than they usually see and take in more meaning than they usually take in. The work says everything eats everything else. Our job is to try to be eaten by the right people, higher rather than lower. This can be taken in so many different ways. For example, how many times have you heard me say, try to go with better eyes? So you can go with higher eyes, which are better eyes, or you can go with lower eyes, which are worse eyes. Try to go with the best eyes that you can find in yourself. The other day I was talking to someone here, and I said, try to do less harm. She jumped up, ran and got her notebook, and said, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's such a simple thing. I would have never thought of that. And that's true of all of these ideas. The truth is about us is we would have never thought of these ideas. They come from a more conscious source. And if you think you would have thought of the idea, you are suffering from a bad case of pride and vanity and self-love. But if you just got offended by that, that's just proof that you are. Then if you're offended, you're not going to listen to anything I have to say about that from this point on. Because you're going to defend yourself and defend your self-love. Which is okay. I don't really want to attack it. You're welcome to keep it. Because we know that anything that we defend, we get to keep. And I'm not trying to take it away from you. But I've got enough self-love on my own. I don't need any of yours. Regardless of how successful you are in life, if you serve life, you're going to be eaten by lower influences. Life will not develop us. Life has an entirely different purpose for us. And it's not this second line of development, this this development through a second education, the life is only going to give us one education just to prepare us for what it wants, which is to eat us. But if we wish to be eaten by something higher, then we need to do something differently. I was talking to someone the other day about their aims. And I said, well, all of your aims, all of your work aims are all about getting things in life. They're really life aims, and you're calling them work aims. This is exactly what we do. People get into this work, they hear these ideas, what do they do? They label, they say, oh yes, well that's what I'm doing. They hear an idea and they go, yeah, I do that. I I observe myself all the time. Oh yes, I know all about that. And they don't change a thing. Nothing changes. They're still the exact same people. There's no developments going on. Nothing inside of them has changed. They've seen nothing about themselves. They've just relabeled what they already had. Now, to be successful in life is not necessarily to be successful in the work. You can be successful in life and still be successful in the work. But remember, one of the esoteric teachings of the Gospels is, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And of course, it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with wealth in that way. It has to do with pride and vanity and self-love and thinking more of yourself than you ought. We're not being able to locate yourself in the great ray of creation where you actually are, but imagining that you're at a different level. We're designed to come under different influences from life, so that these higher influences can develop us along this different line. We're taught not to allow negative emotions to have too much ground in our interior garden. What we go with becomes our G word. 
This is a very important concept because we need to get it right here where we are. We need to get it at whatever level we are at. We need to understand that whatever we go with is going to either take us up or take us down. And if we stay in the same place, you must know that in this work, you are going backwards. You cannot stay in the same place. There is nothing static about life. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward, or you're sliding backwards or you're moving backward. You're either on an ascending octave or a descending octave, but you're not able to stand still because nothing in this life stands still. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. That's the way it is. There's not much I can do about that. It's necessary for us to make inner stop about the thoughts that take us to internal bad states that the work calls slums. We're not asked to destroy the weeds in the garden, but we are asked to change our selection process so that we can begin to make things a little better than they were. And it doesn't take much to make things a little better than they were. The problem with us is we're not patient enough to have things be a little better than they were. We want things to be completely changed right now. We want to be completely transformed right now. And this is just an invitation to imagination. Imagination will step in and grant you your wish. And you won't have anything at all. You won't have anything real. You'll just have imagination. The G word is selective. But we must understand what the G word is at our level. Down here where we find ourselves in the Great Ray under 48 orders of laws. If we can see what the G word is down here, then we can move toward it. But if we're trying to understand what it is in the absolute and move toward that, we get lost very quickly. You remember the example that I gave you, or I used in Podcast 244 Destruction, was, I think, about the sea and sea turtles. If all of those predators didn't destroy so many hundreds and thousands of sea turtles when they were scampering from their eggs, crawling out of the sand and making a mad dash for the water, for the safety of the water, if there weren't all these predators there picking them up and eating them, it wouldn't take long before the entire sea was a mass of sea turtles. But because things can be destroyed, because everything eats everything here, that destruction becomes part of actually the preservative process. There's a creative part, the preservative part, and the destructive part. The destructive part cannot be seen just as destructive because this is the three together, the three and one and the one and three and the seven. So this is where we have problems. We want to break it up and say, no, it's just creative or no, it's just preservative and it's not destructive. Destructive is over here and it has nothing to do with the G word or creative is over here and that's what the G word is. Nothing else is creative. We want to look at it that way, but the great rate teaches us to broaden our perspective and to see it in another way, not on the outside, but the outside helps. Because if we can see the sun and the galaxies, we can see the earth, we can see the, the solar system in an outer way, then we can get an idea of what we're looking at inside. We can see that there is distance, there is space, there is higher and lower inside of us. And that is another of the things that the Great Ray is teaching us. How can you obey a G word you don't understand? In other words, how can you follow certain influences if you don't understand where they come from? if you don't understand what they are. Well, unfortunately, we follow a lot of influences by rote, not by understanding, but because we heard it, and then we try to rigidly adhere to it. 
And when it doesn't work, we find ourselves in worse shape than we are when we started. For us, the divine intelligence of the sun is our G word. But it's difficult for us to understand the sun as intelligent. Although the sun is actually intelligent, we have to take it inside of ourselves. There is a sun in us, a level of intelligence in us that is as far away from us in our current condition as the earth is from our outer sun. And this is how the great ray can help us to see where we are and to see how far we've got to go and to see which direction to turn in. How far you have to go is not that important. I was talking to someone the other day, last week, I think it was, and and he said, well, how depressing it was that if I had so far to go and he felt like he had so far to go just to get where I was at, then he would never make it. It would take him forever to make it, and he got depressed by that. Well, that would be like my dog looking at me and saying, well, if he's got that far to go to be like this, I'll never make it because I've got this far to go just to be like him. Well, that's counterproductive. It doesn't do us any good. You have to let that go, and you have to just take what you can do right now. For us, a level of intelligence that eliminates every kind of negative emotion is represented by our sun. Inside of us, there is a level of intelligence that eliminates every single kind of negative emotion. It will not go with any negative emotion. Very different from our intelligence, which so loves so many forms of negative emotions and defends them, justifies them, and eats them, and smacks its lips, and rubs its hands together, and says, Oh goody, oh goody, oh goody, I get to have that treat. And we allow ourselves to eat this, and we become addicted to this, then we wonder why our lives look like they do. There's already another intelligence in you. This is the whole idea. It's real I in you. It's standing behind you. It is observing all that you try to do with all of these little eyes that you're trying to work with. All of these little eyes that go with negative emotions. You have that inside of you already. The problem is it's very far away from you because you're turned in the wrong direction. We need to turn in the right direction. And we can do that in little ways. That is what the Great Ray is teaching us. We have a vague awareness of real eye at times, but we can't touch this real intelligence directly. It is completely uncritical, but when we feel its presence, we know somehow that we're internally wrong. We know that there's something not right about us, that something needs to be adjusted, that something needs to be altered, that some kind of transformation needs to take place in order for us continue our development. Gurji said, behind real I lies God, the G word that we avoid because of our wrong inner states and connections. The path of this work is to take us to real I, this thing that questions life without being negative. Unfortunately, when we question life, we question life with objections, we question life with complaints, we question life In an argumentative way, we don't simply question uncritically. We don't question without becoming bitter, without becoming negative. Gradually, it leads us to peel away the overcoats that we've acquired in life that hides what is real in us. This G word isn't the absolute. What's inside of us, that's not the absolute. It's our relative G word, in the same way that my intelligence is divine to my dog, Buddy Love. 
the intelligence of the Absolute is divine compared to the intelligence of the highest intelligence in us, represented by the note soul in the great ray of creation. So it's our relative G word. What is divine intelligence to us? And this is how the G word needs to be understood. And this is how the absolute can be approached with understanding. To meet the absolute that controls all of creation, (laughs) that knows the exact position and state of each and every atom in the infinite universe, that keeps the whole thing together, is on a scale so far beyond our level, it would evaporate us as our physical sun would evaporate a drop of water if we were to come close to it. So it's absurd to think that we can understand the absolute, the uncreate. It's like the Tao says, the Tao that can be known is not the true Tao. The Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao. And this is what the absolute is. The Taoists are saying the exact same thing as Gurdjieff was teaching, and as esoteric Christianity is teaching, and as all esotericism is teaching. Each time, this is the upshot of it, each time that we expand our consciousness, we develop intelligence, which will lead to more consciousness. More consciousness of ourselves first, and then of others. Now, if we persevere, we will meet the intelligence in us that's represented by real eye. This is the work on lower centers that we need to be doing in order to prepare us to receive higher centers. And higher centers, quite frankly, are the G word for us. So what we need to reach is the higher centers. We don't need to be worrying about the absolute and what it's doing or what's happening here, what's happening there. We need to be dealing with our solar system, our sun, our galaxy, and not worrying about the big old universe just yet. And as we begin to increase the consciousness, little by little, by going with better eyes, every moment that we can be aware of it, through that, our consciousness will expand. And as our consciousness expands, we will develop intelligence. And that intelligence will lead to more consciousness of ourselves and others. Our lives will change because our level of being has changed. This is the work. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.